0: What's up, guys? Normally, I like to start these podcasts with a ton of energy, and seeing that it's New Year's Eve today, when we're recording, my personal favorite holiday, even more so, I wanted to bring energy to this podcast. But it's really tough to do with the tragedy that happened yesterday, with a thousand plus homes getting burnt to the ground, and over there in Superior, that was an area that I coached in, so I'm sure I know somebody who owns a few of those homes. So. I just wanted to, you know, obviously extend our condolences from the Hockey Mountain High family, and anything we can do to help would be awesome. Anything you want to do to help, you can help at dognation.com. That will directly impact hockey families since this is a hockey podcast. Um, But, you know, there's a a million ways you can help out. So, you know, let's help out the community here and take care of our neighbors because what was was happening yesterday was devastating. The crazy winds were scary, and I, I did not know if it was going to stop, luckily the winds died down and they were kind of able to control it. But so many houses gone, so many families impacted. And, you know, it it really brought tears to my heart. Even a lot of pets lost too, right? Which is, which is tough. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to start the podcast with that. I didn't really want to come happy, eager for the new year because so many people are struggling right now. So, um, Eric, anything you want to say before we get to the podcast here?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, It's just a shitty time right now. A lot of people are, I mean, I saw a tweet yesterday that kind of like encapsulated exactly what this state is going through right now. And it was for everybody that evacuated their homes, who was a positive COVID test, this is the address where you should go. And I'm like, this is, this is the world we're living in. We've had 15, 15 plus days of 60 plus degrees in Denver in the month of December, 2021, and people have to evacuate their homes some of them tested positive for covid and have to go to like a certain quarantine location to hang out with other positive tested covid people like it, it sucks you don't know where your pets are you don't know where your whether your house is going to be there in the morning there's been a ton of people today tweeting that they're getting back to their homes either to find them there or not um it's shitty like it's it's been it's been a shitty year the midwest had record breaking rains and people's houses flooded and Colorado's having record breaking fires in December, like after the winter started, late December, after Christmas, before the first snowfall of the year. Uh, it's a crappy time right now. Um, the only thing that I could say is obviously, you know, my best wishes and, and prayers for everybody and anybody that lost their homes. I really, really hope the death toll remains at zero as it is right now and that nobody was truly physically affected by this granted i'm not going to make light of what it means to lose a home um, but this is just a reminder to kind of focus on focus on the bigger things in life and let's try to be a little bit less at each other's throats all the time uh, try to be a little bit more positive a little bit happier a little bit better to people on twitter and online even if they're strangers because somebody who's a little more frustrated Because of something hockey related, I don't know, their favorite player got healthy scratched. Uh, Could be somebody who just lost their freaking home in a fire. So, like, there's certain things in life that just matter so much more. And all I could say is, like, this sucks, but just try to chug forward, love your neighbor, and, and, you know, hope for a better 2022. It's been a very, very tough
0: last couple years. Absolutely. It's an unprecedented event around here. It's a historic event. Um, never seen anything like this in our lifetime. I know we directly have a follower that was impacted and his house was on fire. So condolences to at Bob yeah. in Boulder, and I'm sure he's not the only one. So anything we can do here to help, you know, I'm willing to help any way I can. So again, really sad for all the families and a really tough way to bring in the U- new year. But, um, the show must go on here at Hockey Mountain High. So thanks for letting us get that off our chest and, uh, enjoy the show all right welcome in everybody to another episode of hockey mountain high your go-to avalanche podcast presented by total beverage in thornton and westminster just them for now so of course happy new year i hope Uh, A lot of you are bringing in the New year safe and happily. Again, it's a little bit hard to talk hockey after an event like this. So many people's lives have been devastated, but um, we got to do what we got to do. So, Arif, I guess some good news on the Avalanche front, right? There's uh, a lot of players have returned, almost pretty much all of them, and uh, the Avs seem to have put the whole COVID debacle of the last couple weeks behind them, and they're uh, gearing up, ready to restart their season here.
1: Yeah, we were going to see a lot of guys miss games. Uh, Logan O'Connor, Miko Rantanen, Pavel Fransos, uh eventually Darren Helm. I feel like I'm missing one. Uh, Nazem Kadri. No, he would have been back. Whatever. People were going to miss games on COVID protocol. Uh, but obviously, the two Dallas games getting canceled, uh, being Wednesday's and tonight's, Friday's game, uh, getting pushed back, obviously, postponed. Plus the fact that the NHL went ahead and changed their COVID protocols from 10 days to five days for asymptomatic players. Um Nasim Kadri's the last one, but anyways, uh, everybody's off protocol now, and um, the Avalanche were entering practice today, Friday. It's twelve p.m. They started practice at eleven with a fully healthy lineup until we found out that Valeri Nichushkin is dealing with an upper body issue, but we'll get to that in a little bit later. The COVID thing seems to be behind them for now. Hopefully, it made its way through its, through the team enough where a lot of these guys just you know have the antibodies and. Don't get it for a little bit of time. I know you can get it twice, but I don't think you can get it twice in like a month. So um, good news on the COVID front. And uh, hopefully when hockey starts back up Sunday, it doesn't stop again.
0: Well, thank goodness for the changes in the protocols, right? I mean, I think that stemmed from the CDC saying something along the lines of uh, quarantines now have to be only for five days, which really helped out the NHL kind of adjust that rule a little bit there. So, you know, whatever your opinion is of the CDC and their um, latest I guess, adjustment of the rules, you know, put that aside and just, I guess, just look at the positive here and it's helping out um, the Colorado Avalanche and the NHL as a whole, getting things a little bit more stabilized.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and I think... There was a lot of pressure for the NHL to do this. The CDC thing was kind of the cherry on top because before that, the NFL had already changed their protocols. The NBA had done the same. Obviously the NHL being more difficult because the Canadian government is, a, is you know, is a little bit more stingy on these things. And now you have two governments you have to deal with compared to other leagues, but um, they found a way to get it done. It's, it's a good first step. I think there will be many more steps. The situation will forever remain fluid. What's true today won't be true tomorrow. And, um, I think as we get a better grasp, and we kind of all are already as a society, and you know, given what's been happening and, and the number of asymptomatic cases, uh, we're going to get a better grasp of how exactly to handle this. Right now it is a little bit, we're kind of in a strange phase right now, and that's why a lot of hockey has been postponed. But um, positive vibes. Hopefully things are under control very soon. Um, that five-day thing is a good first step.
0: Yeah, and I mean hockey has been going on for a couple days, right? So uh, ever since the Christmas pause, we— kind of expected a, a little bit more of an issue. It wasn't too bad only with teams like the Avalanche, the Dallas Stars. They're really the only ones that failed to get started after the Christmas, uh among a couple other teams. But there what I'm trying to say is there has been hockey going on, exactly. which is a positive sign. So um, you know. Here, and here's teams, to hoping they finished out the season.
1: And teams have been clearing protocol. It's slowly mm-hmm. happening. Tampa Bay had to play a game with two goalies, one of which I've never heard of. He's a made-up person. He's not real. Um, but uh, we're seeing teams clear protocol. We're seeing hockey return. Dallas obviously has a little bit of a COVID issue. Their game on January 2nd was also postponed yesterday. So they're going to go three straight games of postponed post-Christmas, let alone the games before. But um It seems like things are kind of going in the right direction. Seeing the Avalanche have nobody on COVID protocol is kind of fascinating given Devontae's entered protocol, what was that, December 12, 13, 14? Like, it feels like forever ago and it was two and a half weeks. So this two and a half week scare seems to have calmed down. I think players are being a little bit more responsible outside of hockey, which I'm not saying they were irresponsible before, but they're 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 biting the bullet and they're doing their part to, you know, avoid crowds a little bit more, which is something that we should applaud. But um, yeah, hopefully, again, the Avalanche play in 48 hours. Hopefully once that game takes off Sunday at 1 p.m., we don't have another pause in hockey.
0: Yeah, like we mentioned, we're here recording on New Year's Eve where they were supposed to be gearing up to play the Dallas Stars. Instead, we saw... Just a regular practice from the squad, and uh, I guess notable storylines out of that practice is Mikhail Makar having a maintenance day. Nothing really to look into there, but Val Nishushkin out with an upper body, kind of like you mentioned at the top of the show here.
1: Exactly, yeah. So um, this was going to be the first time since before the bubble or sometime during the bubble that the entire Avalanche roster is healthy. And the reason why I say that, well, maybe opening night last year, I think because Frankie was technically the backup for those first two games against St. Louis, but since then Franzoes has been hurt, and uh, when he came back, half the team was on COVID protocol against Nashville. So this is this is something that's a little bit different than what we're used to. It's a fully healthy Avalanche lineup minus now Val- Valeri Nutrushkin dealing with a with a upper body injury. But given the fact that he's practiced the last three days, and the Avalanche still have one more practice before they take the ice Sunday. I don't want to assume, but I'm going to predict, glass half full, that it's more of a uh, precautionary thing. Jared's not speaking today, so we're not going to get an update from him. So I'm sure I'm sure by the time you guys listen to this Saturday, we'll probably have an update post-practice then from Jared Bednar on what exactly is going on with Val Nichushkin. But, um, you know, again, given the fact that he's been practicing the last three days and we didn't see him escape the ice or, you know, leave the ice yesterday with any kind of ailing injury like going hard into the boards or something – if Nichushkin misses a game i don't assume it'll be more than one so we'll see but um the avalanche are healthy right now that's probably not something that's going to be true by the time the second period sunday starts because this team is cursed but it's it's good to see that even with the nichushkin thing it's still good to see everybody's back like bowen byram skating ryan murray's back we talked about bowen byram last episode as somebody that needs to like be careful for just his future not just hockey and Suddenly, he shedded the no contact jersey. He's he's a full participant in practice, and he's ready to play. It's it's really
0: refreshing to see this entire team healthy at once. Right, and with Val Nichushkin, you know, yeah, it's good that it's a practice injury, right? Like you're saying, we didn't see anything happen, but also the fact that it's only been practices that have been going on for the last couple of weeks, and that's. Where he sustained this injury, you got to think it's something small, right? It's not battling against an opponent who's trying to take your head off. It's just uh, something freak against a teammate or something along those lines that probably wasn't as hard as it could be if it was in a, in a game-like situation. So, yeah, I can't get too worried about Nichushkin, but we, we need him in the lineup, right? It's a, He's a big part of the of the team this year and that's no secret and we've been pumping his tires but along with that some good news that we've been seeing in the last week is uh, the return of Bowen Byram and Ryan Murray I think people are a little bit more excited about Bowen Byram considering the circumstances and his impact with the team let's not let's not hide it let's call it what it is but um, yeah exciting to see those guys back in the lineup like you're saying just returning to health something we haven't seen around here in a long time maybe 2022 is bringing big things and the luck is turning around for these guys.
1: This makes one of Ryan Murray or Jack Johnson, the seventh defenseman on this team and Curtis McDermott, number eight, like the, the, the depth is finally here to flex its muscles. Um, no pun intended, given McDermott's a jacked little monster, but, uh, <laughs> it's, it's refreshing. And I know again, in four days from now, we could be talking about three players that are dinged up and week to week. Cause that seems to be the case that always happens. But right now we're going to be positive because the avalanche seemed positive. Um, and again, the biggest thing is even with Val Nichushkin out, even though he's a big part of this team, we've seen them go on a massive run here before the break. Obviously, they lost to Nash- they lost to Nashville, but they were five and zero before that. They've been on like a. 14 two and two run or some crazy run like that i forget the numbers it's been forever but uh they've done a lot of that missing a lot of players at one point confer missed a month nathan mckinnon missed a couple weeks gabe landeskog missed some games devon taves missed games val Nichushkin missed games early like they're doing this without a lot of big pieces they they did this with kemper and who's out for some games and and Joh- uh, johansson and in and in were the ones leading the charge so even with the injuries, this team is stacked. This team is good, and, and, and with a fully healthy lineup, it's only going to get better. Um, so I, I'm feeling really good about the Avalanche. If, if COVID doesn't rear its nasty head into the NHL again, I'm feeling really good about January for the Avalanche. They got 16 games, I believe, and um, a lot of them are going to be at home. Ten of them, I want to say. so Or 15 January games, sorry, ten of them at home. I'm feeling pretty good about the Avs going into the new year here.
0: Right. The only worry you kind of have is how busy it's going to be. Right. You and I have been talking for at least a month now about the tougher part of the schedule every other day, essentially coming up here. So um, and like you said, it's, it's a very busy January, at least a lot of home games, especially you know, they start off with Anaheim here on Sunday. But four out of the next five games are at home, a kind of a, a ideal way to get back into the restart again.
1: Yeah, and it's it's really good because the only time they're going to have any kind of like difficulty in terms of travel is going to be that third week of of, of January. So like I, w- I almost said October because it feels like the beginning of the season. I don't know what month it is anymore, but they got Anaheim at home. Then they go on the road for one game. And then they go every other night, Winnipeg, Toronto, Seattle. They do have a back-to-back after that home game against Seattle. They go into Nashville. Other than that, they have a back-to-back where they go Anaheim, LA on the 19th and 20th. They also have a back-to-back with Arizona, the 14th and 15th. But again, that's both teams that are going to be playing and traveling. So it seems like a very good, very calming kind of rhythmic every-other-night schedule, given the amount of home games, given how little travel there's going to be in there. Um, One, two, three. You're going to travel four times, and one of them is going to be to go to two teams in California. So in the next 31 games, you're taking four road trips that are very short. So it just seems like a very... Good type of busy month rather than a more, you know, harsher month, I want to say on the players, a more a more taxing month. So I think and we've seen how this team plays when they play every other night, they kind of prefer it like many players do. They want to get in a rhythm. So as long as they can hold up physically and as long as COVID doesn't come back, I think I think they'll be fine.
0: Yeah, and how about the uh, the rest of the NHL, right? I mean, I think next month is really what we have our eyes on as there was a two-week mm-hmm. period with no games. They're obviously getting ready to to put games in those, you know, as a replacement for the ones that were postponed. So, I know the NHL's kind of gotten started and gotten the ball rolling on it. What's the latest there?
1: Yeah, so Bill Daly talked to Pierre Lebrun at The Athletic yesterday and basically said that the, I want to say it's 91 games now, but that number could be a little off, that were postponed because of COVID. There were some Canadian games postponed because of attendance you know, issues and restrictions, but the 91 COVID ones, I believe he said that they've all been basically worked into those two and a half weeks off in February, which if you think about it, is like four to five games a day. It's not a huge deal. Um, They just haven't announced anything yet because the situation is still fluid. You could have more games postponed, more games moved around um so there's no reason to announce it now i would assume i think bill daly said mid january to late january we'll 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 hear more about it so in the next two to three weeks but for the avalanche it's two home games it's the home game against uh tampa it's the home game against dallas and then it's five on the road it's detroit vegas buffalo boston and dallas so i assume those are all going to get worked into those 16 17 days of no hockey well 16, 17 days of no hockey. If you take out the all-star break, uh, the Avalanche will play seven games in that stretch. So it's not a lot of hockey by any means, but uh, it's good that the Olympic break, to be honest with you at this point, I'm kind of glad they're not going to the Olympics because it would have just been too much at this point. Uh, The only way it would have been able to work is what Brad Marchand suggested of players go and just have a taxi squad of players replace them here. But that would suck if you're the Avalanche playing without your entire top line and and whoever else is going to go. So... With that being said, I think it's uh it's good that the NHL is not going to the Olympics. It's good that they're going to be able to work this in. Again, the big caveat here being this is all assuming COVID doesn't cancel another 100 games, which I don't think it'll get that bad. But hopefully for the Avalanche, it's just so those seven. They can work them in February and have a bit of a lighter month and play only 10 games in February rather than 15, 16, four consecutive months.
0: Yeah, and I think the All-Star game is a very expendable thing right it's a very that too i think except players, for the fact
1: that there there's money involved and, and the sure. nhl cannot afford to lose money right now
0: but as far as players go i'm sure they're they're more than fine skipping an all-star game i mean it hasn't exactly oh, been yeah. the greatest product over the last 10 years so
1: they don't care for it the nhl does because number one the rights i believe are for espn now for the all-star game and that's a big money maker and number two Dude, we've seen NHL All-Star games where they send guys like Leo Komarov or the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, They don't care who they send. They just need the event to happen to to rake in the millions of dollars that they want to bring in. So even if guys like Ovechkin say, screw it, I'll take the one game suspension for not going. And if McKinnon does that and Rant- and, and all these players do that, they're still going to host it. They're going to have guys, I don't know, pick a name. Val Nichushkin will represent the avalanche. That's <laughs> not exactly the All-Star name you think of when you think of an All-Star game, but they'll still have the event, even if it's with players that Aren't necessarily the big all stars, but um, again, that's assuming another 30, 40, 50 games don't get canceled.
0: Yep, yep, absolutely. So, I'm um, turning the corner here a little bit. Like we talked about, it's the first time in a long time that the avalanche have two healthy goalies in place. As you mentioned, there are 15 games here in the month of January, so I guess I wanted to kind of chat with you and see pick your brain a little bit as to what you thought the avalanche were going to do with splitting up those 15 games between the two goalies. Obviously, Frankie's still kind of getting back in the mix. We've only seen him play one game, and he was kind of forced to play. Who knows if he was even actually 100% ready for that. So with that in mind, the easing Fran back into the schedule and Kemper trying to keep him, you know, there's a balance between keeping him in full swing and giving him too much rest and making sure he's ready to go down the stretch here. What do you think the 15 games look like for goalies with the Avalanche?
1: I think it's going to be closer to an even split. I would say 9-6 for Kemper. Assuming none of them get hurt. Like, Kemper doesn't miss three or four straight games like he did early in December with, like, an injury of any sort. I would say 9 for Kemper, 6 for Frankie. Because at this point, obviously, Kemper's your starter, and that's the guy you want to ride. You also want to get Frankie back in the groove. And six games over a month is not a lot of hockey, but at the same time, it's enough to kind of see if Francis can return to form the guy that we know and love from pre-COVID world. So... I would say a nine to six stretch and depending on how it goes, will kind of determine who plays more in February. So, you know, there's still a little bit of a goalie battle here. Kemper's not done enough to say I'm the clear cut starter. He doesn't have the numbers of Grubauer last year where let's face it, if if Frankie returned last year with the way Gruby was playing, there was no way in hell Frankie could supplant him as a starter. He could with Kemper this year, just given the numbers. But um, Kemper's always going to get the better chance to be the starter but you got to get Frankie into some games because this is a hockey team without a Vasilevsky in net. This is a hockey team that if they win the Stanley Cup, it could be the type of Stanley Cup where Kemper wins you 11 games and Fransuz wins you five or something like that. It's not going to be a traditional one goalie winning 16 games. So you need to get both of them ready to go. You need to keep them both healthy. And I think we're going to see a 55-45 type of split, 60-40 type of split. So give me six games, assuming both are healthy, for Pavel Fransuz in January.
0: I'm going to lean a little bit more towards the, kind of like I said, going into it, easing Frankie into it, right? I don't know if he's ready for six games just yet. And you got to kind of look at the schedule. There's three back-to-backs, so he's getting at least three games there, right? And you also have some easy teams coming coming up ahead. You got Seattle, you've got Arizona twice, you've got Chicago twice, and you've got L.A. And I think Arizona... And uh, Seattle and L.A. are part of those back-to-back. So that's probably the game you give France, who's the easier ones. But you also have some pretty tough games this, this month, too. You've got Toronto. You've got Winnipeg, which they're hit or miss, but it's, a, it's an important divisional game, right? And then, of course, Minnesota, who's on a tear this year. Um, so I think you want to kind of still lean Kemper a bit more, but um, I, I, I'm, I don't know. So I, I'm going to say 10-5, maybe even 11-4. So I just looking at the schedule you do make a good point about
1: the back to backs. I would say so for starters Anaheim you're going to go with Kemper. I would assume in Chicago you go Frankie. Oh,
0: it's actually Chicago 3 times this month. Wow.
1: Yeah, and you also have Buffalo and, and Seattle Buffalo. like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would say in Chicago you go Franzoos, Winnipeg, Toronto you go Fra- you go uh, Kemper. Seattle, Nashville, Nashville's the tougher opponent and it's on the road. I think you give that Seattle home game to Fran mm-hmm. and then you give Nashville to Kemper. Arizona home and road as well. Back to back. I think as well for that one, you're going to go Frankie for the first one, Kemper for the second one. So Kemper can play in Arizona if he cares about that, given it's his former team. Good point. Minnesota, you're going to go Kemper. Anaheim, LA, you're going to split it. Montreal, Chicago, those are two easy games. You give one to Kemper, one to Frankie. Boston, you go Kemper. Chicago, Buffalo, you give one each. So I think by my math there, you're going to hit anywhere from five to seven. So we'll see. It kind of it makes sense, but at the same time, like if Kemper comes out and shuts out Anaheim, you're going to be like, all right, let's roll him again for Chicago. And then he has a good game against Chicago. We're going to roll him Winnipeg. And he could get onto one of those grooves where – and it could happen with Fran as well. So – you know, I, I think we're, we're kind of in the right spot, that four, five, six range. We'll see. But, uh, man, it's good to talk about two goalies right now. And, and just fingers crossed that they both stay healthy because it would be nice. This is the first time since pre-COVID that the Avalanche, well, they had it in the bubble for a little bit. To have both, like, the starter, Groovy slash Kemper and Francois healthy is, is refreshing.
0: It's been a while since we've been shocked and awed and wowed by Pavel Francouz's game. So I, yeah. uh, I'm just hoping that he hasn't lost a step in the last two years. I don't see how he would, but, you know, that's a long time to go without being in the flow and rhythm of uh, NHL shots at game speeds, right? So um, let's just hope that he's back to normal, back to the Frankie that we all know and love.
1: He was just so sneaky good for so long, man. You look at his numbers and you think back to some of those games and how he played, and, like, he – He was way better than Grubauer in nineteen twenty pre-COVID. He was so good. And if the Avalanche could get that Fransuz back, there suddenly they've got a duo to deploy. And if Kemper doesn't get his act together, Fransuz will be your starter.
0: So both Kemper and Fransuz are actually coming up on free agency this offseason. So I kind of wanted to get your opinion on who you think the Avs starter is going to be, say, this time next year. Because, hey... If they don't perform, especially down the stretch, there's a good chance neither of the two guys are around. So do you think it's going to be one of these two, both of these two, or are you coming out of left field with a a stranger?
1: Uh, So that's a good question, and and I think the best way—I would say—I've kind of thought about this a lot with the two of them, and I would say if one of them was going to return next year, the better possibility— even given what the Avalanche gave up for him, the better possibility would be Fran Suze to return over Kemper. I'm not saying as a starter, but I'm saying to return. Because the way that I see it, if the Avalanche don't win the cup, they might look at Kemper, like Kemper might be part of the reason why. Either an injury, he's too injury prone, or he just didn't play well enough. Or, you know, it could be a case where he plays good, but just gets beat. But uh, given the other two choices, I think if the Avalanche can't succeed with Kemper, they're going to be like, all right, you're out of here. But at the same time, I think if they win with Kemper, he's going to be looking for way more money than the Avalanche are willing to pay. And someone like Edmonton is going to lick their lips and be like, yes, finally a starter. So I could see Kemper moving on more likely. Frankie, if he doesn't get back in the groove, if this is you know, the same thing we saw with Peter Mueller after he was gone for so long. Granted, that was a concussion. He came back. He didn't play amazing. The Avalanche just let him go. But I think if Frankie can just return to being Pavel Francouz, I think he'll be back on a deal around what he has now, two years, two million, two and a half million to be a deployment goalie. Um, But there's another guy out there that I kind of think the Avalanche will take a look at. And uh, you know what? This is my guy. The guy that I think the Avalanche is going to be, their starting goalie, 12 months from today, is a guy playing in Toronto right now. Plug your ears, Maple Leafs fans. I think Jack Campbell's the guy.
0: Wow. That's out of left field. Where where, where, uh, where are you getting that idea so
1: Campbell's the type of guy given the fact that I think Francis will be back if he's just you know the normal Francis we know and love and doesn't have injury issues coming up Campbell's the kind of guy that needs a deployment goalie with him he's a 55 goalie starter he's a 55 starter kind of goalie and you know Frankie can play you 30 almost 30 games but He's also the kind of guy who's going to be expensive, but not too expensive. And what I mean by that is he's not going to come out here getting seven, eight, nine million like a Mark Andre Fleury or or you know Carey Price or those guys that make in the tens. But he's also not going to be cheap enough for Toronto to afford him, especially given the fact that we have some postponements here and the NHL might not even make enough money to raise the salary cap by a million. I think if you lose Kemper's four point five million. You obviously have a lot of forward shuffling and Kadri's a free agent. Berkey's a free agent. Nachushkin. Ryan Murray makes two million. He'll probably take a hike and be replaced by someone like Justin Barron making less than a million. I look at someone like Jack Campbell and I see a contract similar to Jacob Markstrom. Five years, 30 million, six million per year. And I see that as a number the Avalanche could fit and could afford, but also a number that Toronto can't. So that's my guy. Jack Campbell's almost 30. He's a former first rounder. I believe it was by the Dallas Stars. And uh, he kind of reminds me of Craig Anderson, where like he kind of took him a little bit longer to be a starter. But then Anderson took off in his first year with the Avs. Obviously, we know how that turned out afterward, but he had a hell of a career with Ottawa. So that's my guy. In 12 months from today, your goalie duo for the Avalanche, Pavel Francis is going to be your backup and Jack Campbell's going to be your starter. The Avalanche are going to invest roughly $8 million to their two goalies. And uh, they're going to lose a forward because of it, but that's just a sacrifice you have to make. They're good enough where, you know, you can plug in Oscar Olison or or Sampo Ranta into the top nine and still be fine, even if it means losing a Burakovsky to have a goalie duo like that. That's what I'm going with.
0: I'm going to stick with Darcy Kemper. I mean, I think Pavel Fransuz is the odd man out here just because of how much he's burned the avalanche, I guess, in recent years, right? I think as much as they love him, as as much as they love to keep him, he's kind of lost their trust. And I think, as I've mentioned in the last couple podcasts, Kemper still has a little bit more to go before he's fully himself with this team. I think we're going to see that. If, as long as we True. can keep a consistent stretch of games going and no pauses and no breaks and no injuries... Uh, I think he's going to really find a rhythm and he's going to kind of continue to progress and still reach the ceiling that we know he's capable of. Plus, he's been in the NHL for 10 years now. He's on his fourth team. I doubt he's really interested in going elsewhere and money hunting. He really feels like he fits the culture of this team. He feels like he's really embraced the avalanche. You know, he, he, it seems the way I, I, what was it? They, they put a Christmas video out, right? And it was kind of, how well do you know your teammates? And he was there participating as if he'd been there for the last four or five years, knowing all these guys. So it really feels like the avalanche have, have, accepted Kemper into their culture. He fits well. I mean, he's obviously got great energy, always smiling, always happy. I think he sticks around, and they find a um, perhaps a new backup, whether it's Aynanen. If he's not ready, then you, you look at the free agent market. A guy like Vile Huso kind of stands out to me as, mm. as a solid backup.
1: I mean, they could both come back. I sure. mean, the way that I see it, you know, by the time everybody's listening to this, is January 1st. Go three months from now, February, March, April 1st. By the time you get to April 1st, there's still a whole month of hockey left. What is that? 15, 14 games that they have in, in April? Let me actually take a quick look. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 14 games. So they've only played 27. They're going to be up to 68. So that's in 41 games. If in these next 41 games, you see, let's say, 27 for Kemper and 14 for Frankie. Half a year, 27 and 14. Sure, let's go with that. If Fransuz in those 14 games is back to the Fransuz that we know and love, but Kemper in his 27 games kind of grows and develops into the guy that we know he can be, similar to Gruby in his first year. It wasn't until March until he was the guy that we we started to love and accept. If that happens, I could see Joe Sakik locking one of them up before the playoffs even start. And maybe it is Darcy Kemper. Maybe it's the guy who says, you know what? I don't want to money hunt. I don't want to look for a new team. I don't want to go into the playoffs with the pressures of I'm on a contract year. Maybe Kemper just signs then and there. Maybe he takes a five, five and a half million dollar deal for three years or something like that. But alternatively, Frank, Frankie's kind of in the same boat. Like, what about him says, I'm going to go money hunting because I deserve it after two years of pretty much earning all this money and not playing. Not that, you know, he was selfish. He was injured. So I could see a situation where both of them come back assuming Frankie becomes the guy that we, we remember him to be and Darcy Kemper grows into what we know he could be. So you make a good point there. Jack Campbell looks enticing too, but it's, 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 a, it's a good conversation to have. And especially with Kemper, if you re-sign Kemper, it's going to mean two things. It's going to mean, number one, he's playing a lot better than he has so far. Um, and obviously, I'm not bashing him by any means. I've been talking all season about how it's going to take some time for him to get going. And number two, it's going to kind of mean that the first rounder in the Connor Timmons trade that you gave up for him uh, is a little bit more worthwhile because you're going to have him around for multiple seasons, not just one.
0: Yeah, just to ring off a couple of the other uh, upcoming free agents this offseason from the goaltending market. Marc-Andre Fleury, Miko Koskinen, Darcy Kemper, Thomas Grice, Yaro Halak, Jonas Korpisalo, Corey Schneider, Fran Suze, Braden Holtby, Martin Jones, Jack Campbell, David Radick. So it's n- it's a pretty decent free agent market.
1: Korpisalo is if- the other one I kind of like in that group. Yeah. I, I like that guy. I know Marc-Andre Fleury is the easy name, but I don't know if he'll come he'll come to Colorado. Korpisalo yeah. uh, seems like the kind of guy that you can give You know, a Linus Olmark type of deal. Four years, $20 kind of guy. So I would much rather have the other guy in Columbus, but they're not giving him up.
0: Absolutely. So I guess here's a great time to stop and tell you guys real quick about Total Beverage in Westminster. Everybody already knows Total Beverage in Westminster and Thornton, right? Sure, Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits, but did you know they deliver? Did you know they have curbside pickup available? And did you know they do online wine education classes? If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again and stop by on 104th in Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself. Or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. Total Beverage, everything you need and more. Must be 21. Oh, wait, sorry. Wrong ad read. <laughs> um, no, I was actually checking out Total Beverage yesterday. I was uh, working on a couple houses right there in the Westminster area and uh, picking up my champagne, getting ready for the New Year's events here. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to actually partake in any New Year's events now after yesterday. I'm not really in the mood to party, but what I wanted to say is I was out there and first of all, amazing place, great stores, one of those really big, impressive, liquor stores that I love to go to because you have so many options and so many different wines and champagnes which I'm into Um, but so I'm sitting there and I'm getting gas as I'm on my way out and this is right as all the fires are happening sorry to bring these back up but they've just been on my mind and on my heart and there I am filling up my gas and this poor lady comes up and says oh it, are they pumping gas? Are they are they serving gas here? I I just came from Louisville and oh, they, no. they weren't letting us pump any gas. I had to go into my house. I I had to scratch and claw, take back roads to get in there to go get my dog. And there's her cute little dog sitting in the front oh, seat. Man. So I I just felt like I needed to tell that story because it was heartbreaking. I really wish I could have helped that woman. And just being that close to the fire right there in Westminster, you know, obviously, just just tough to see and tough to watch our community, right? As a real estate agent too, I, I, my heart breaks to see land and people's property. And you know, that's one of the biggest investments and assets that they own just getting torn to rubble. So j- just felt like I needed to share that story and shout out to that lady. I'm glad she got her dog.
1: Yeah, that's man. It's, it's tough. You don't like that's, that's the part we don't even think about. Like, you know, I'm 28 years old. If God forbid a fire breaks out in Highlands Ranch, I'm going to, pack whatever shit i need and get in my truck and drive away but you have older people that are that are not as fortunate that might, you know, need caretaker help and if their caretakers aren't around it's man it's it sucks it really does
0: it does it does so not the best memory of 2021 to take us out of the year i mean not that it's been the greatest year ever but um i guess it's a good time for everybody to kind of look back be grateful for some things and uh, I guess to go back to a hockey theme here, since this is a hockey podcast, let's look back on the Avalanche year and uh, just discuss the year twenty twenty one that was. Of course, it started with empty arenas, and now it ended with a COVID pause. So, uh, <laughs> there is, everything there in is between. A <laughs> yeah, I guess let's talk about everything in between. What, are, Arif, are, What are your top stories? I guess for uh, the twenty twenty one year that was. So. I
1: would say right at the top, the top story for the avalanche this past year. It's an easy one. It's what everybody's thinking right now. Uh, it started rough and it had a good ending. It's it's the Gabe Landeskog contract drama. It's the, the drama that we didn't expect to get to the point that it got to, even if like deep inside there was always that feeling of like, there's no way he's leaving. When Peter Baugh wrote that story and the quote that Gabe Landeskog had, which by the way, if you haven't listened to our episode with Peter Baugh, the one titled The One With Peter Baugh, Go back and listen to it because he shares the story of how he got in touch with Landeskog that day and how funny Landeskog was on the phone, even given the the circumstances and the times that he was going through with his contract. It It was a little scary there for about a week and a half, and then he ended up signing the max term eight years, literally 22 minutes before midnight of the deadline of when he can sign for eight years. So by the end of the contract, he will be the longest serving avalanche captain if he remains that long. But for a little while there, it was it was a little scary. And that was by far the biggest avalanche story of story of 2021.
0: Anyone who's listening right now who also listened to the podcast during that time period probably already knows what I'm going to say here. JJ was right. It was not scary, even in the least bit. And exactly what you're saying, Dude. Landis got calling Peter Ball and having fun with him and playing around saying he's Nathan McKinnon. I mean, if there's any sign that things were not headed south, it's, it's that right there, that he's still in good spirits making avalanche jokes um, to the, I guess, exclusive and I, interview. I will
1: say, I will say for anybody that read that Peter Ball story, I like the way that Peter Ball actually wrote it because he kind of buried that quote. The one where Gabe Landeskog said, I'm not, you know, for the first time in my career, I don't know what jersey I'm going to be wearing in September, or whatever the hell it was, something like that. I like the way Peter Ball wrote that story because he didn't go all clickbaity and kind of lead with that and say like, Landeskog says it's not going to happen. He wrote this long story about how Landeskog was given the captaincy from Milan Heyduk and, so and so and so and so and so. And I'm like reading it like, oh, this is a good little story. And then I read that bombshell quote and I'm like, holy shit, what did I just read? Like it was kind of... He he presented it the same way that it was presented to him. It was a very professional way of presenting that kind of a quote, but it's still not the type of quote you often hear. Like, how often do you hear players say something like that? Usually, it's you know that's the business, and you know that's the business, and I'll let my agent take care of that, and we'll see what happens in September. I love this team. I blah 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 blah. Like, even even GMs do that. Like. Mark Barjavin, yeah, I'm not shopping PK Subban. Two weeks later, he traded him for Shea Weber. Like you never get that honesty that Gabe Landeskog had, and it's genuinely, no matter how he presented it, even in a joking matter, it's still something that deep inside he kind of thought to himself, yeah, maybe I'm not going to come back to the Avalanche. So, it it maybe isn't as scary as I'm making it out to be, but its it was a little bit concerning for a little bit there because you'd never hear players say things like that.
0: Yeah, either that or he was just given a little script to say by his agent to really put the ball on the avalanches court, right? I, yeah, which is something you said back then too, which I will give you that. It, it,
1: it was a it was a nice play. Um, I also like what Joe Sackick did when he came out after the contract signed. He repeated four, five, six times in that press conference after signing Landeskog. He's going to be our longest serving captain. He's going to be our longest serving captain. He's going to be our to basically say he's going to break my record to basically say my boy is staying around for eight years. So everybody writing those stories like RFD and at Mile High Sports about how it's a four year no move clause and then a four year all bets are off. Um, take a hike. This guy's sticking around. And, and what Landis Cog has done this year so far is proof he's worth seven plus million.
0: Yeah, I love that. It gave us a solid three, four weeks of podcast conversation during the off season. So shout out to that even though it was a bit dramatic for my taste. Um, still my biggest story of 2021, <laughs> all right? Deal I, with it. <laughs> I think my biggest story of 2021, and I just remember, I still vividly remember how this whole day played out. That was the Lake Tahoe game, right? Coming out here, playing the first period on some choppy ice. You knew it wasn't real hockey. Eight-hour delay, and then both teams take the ice again later a, that night. What a game. Yeah, that, what a that night. was nuts. Just and, uh, the Grubauer sunglasses, right?
1: The Grubauer sunglasses. The way the way that every time you went to a commercial break, you just see replays of players and coaches just falling. <laughs> like you'll just be skating. Like Gerard is skating with whoever he's talking to and just tumbles over. And then the ref goes over the blue line into like you know because the colored lines is where there was more damage to the ice because it was not as frozen given the lines under it. And you just see a ref stumble. You see players stumbling over each other, just packs, patches of ice, just like puddles of water. And it was, it was hilarious. I remember after, after that pause and after they announced they're going to you know, cut it till night. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to the gym. I went to the gym halfway through covering a game. I'm working out. I'm like, what, what the hell are we doing? And then we come back. It's nighttime. You kind of had that more scenic look where it was kind of like a backyard ice hockey game at night where you can hear the murmurs on the ice and you can hear the let's go, let's go in the pass, pass, shoot. And like it just, something about it was a really cool atmosphere when they came back and played at night. I wish they played the whole game at 8 p.m. And then obviously the highlight of that night being Nathan McKinnon's goal and and then hearing Alex Petrangelo mic'd up where he went, oh boy, just as McKinnon started to turn on the, the speed. And it, it ended up being a good game, but that first period and that delay Man, that was something.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then when NBC cutting back to the game so late at night, it was just I don't know, it was a treat to watch at that point point. and that was a much better version of the game. I remember that too. It was it was really good hockey to watch once they yeah. once they got it going for those last two periods. It was just a
1: cool scene. Like you're like again, it's it's a nighttime hockey game in the dark with nobody around like it's literally like you have you know your your grandparents living on a cottage with like a private lake and it's frozen over and you and 10 of your family members are just out there going yeah yeah let's do it like no fans no noise no cars no city no outside noise just hockey and 12 guys on the ice and you know a couple of referees it was just a really fascinating thing to watch
0: All right, well, let's keep moving with uh, our top stories of 2021. I guess in interest of time, uh, you do one more, I'll do one more, and then we'll move to our top memories. So, Erev, fire away. I'm going to go back to the playoffs. Uh, I'm not going to get too
1: depressing and say when they lost, but I'm going to say the way Jared Bednar ripped the avalanche after that Game 3 loss to Vegas was by far one of my biggest memories of the year because— Let's take a little bit of a trip down memory lane. The Avalanche swept the Blues and demolished them, came out in game one and annihilated the Vegas Golden Knights, escaped game two with a victory they probably didn't deserve on an overtime goal that was on a power play that they probably also didn't deserve. But then they come out for game three. They're in Vegas. They have a two to nothing lead. They blow it late. They lose late or two, one lead. I forget what it was. I think it was two, one. And then they blow it late. Vegas scores twice to win three, two and Jared Bedner comes out. Second straight game that the Avalanche just get totally manhandled, totally dominated. First loss, and I think it was 15 games because they won their their last nine regular season or something crazy like that, or last seven. First loss in a long time and rips his team to shreds in a way we never see Jared Bedner do. That to me was a highlight of the year because that to me was a coach that knew something was wrong and was trying to get his message across some people didn't like that he did that i personally did because that's not a goalie saying yeah we're up two to one we'll be fine that's a goalie saying we're we're losing this series before my very eyes we need to change something and it starts with the players on the ice that were just mentally mind fucked by vegas and their physicality
0: coach you mean right you call
1: him a goalie um, that's what i meant yeah sorry
0: But yeah, that was the craziest part about it was the tone for me, right? It was such a wow moment. Not only what he said, but how he said Mm -hmm. it. He sounded so disappointed. He sounded so discouraged and disheartened and just like, I don't know. They've got us. They've got us beat. And just going back, think just how the hell did the Vegas Golden Knights lose to the Canadians? They were on a tear. They were playing so well. They were playing so aggressive and then just blew it. You don't even have to go
1: to that series. How did the Avalanche lose to Vegas? When you look back at that Avalanche Golden Knight series, how stacked the Avalanche were compared to Vegas, that's not a series Colorado should have lost. And I'm not even talking about by leading to nothing to start the series. I'm talking in general, starting from game one, that's a series the Avalanche win
0: 99 times out of 100. I'll tell you how, from my opinion, and that'll be my last top story from 2021. And that's the Ryan Reeves. Ryan Graves situation that happened in was it game one or two? I think it was two right yeah. um Ryan Reeves pulls the hair of Ryan Graves even while he's on the ice and he's like stuffing his face into the ground, and that's kind of seems to be the the pinpointed moment of when the avalanche kind of broke, and they kind of turned timid and they weren't i guess as aggressive as you saw them be throughout the the earlier stages of the playoffs so that that moment to me was the turning point, so I think. So, Therefore, it's my top one of my top stories. That the was
1: the end of game one. Game one, right? And then I believe game two was it? Yes. And then the end of game two was when Nazem Kadri got suspended, and it unraveled. Ah, uh, yeah that 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 sounds well, right. No. It was game one.
0: Cadre got suspended in the Blues series. Oh, no, no. no.
1: That was a game two of the Blues series. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, I just brain farted. But game sorry.
0: two of the Knights was when they ca- they came out. They were playing well, but then just suddenly stopped playing well. And they, they, still, they, they still won that game, but they they, yeah, just, they, they didn't, didn't deserve, deserve it, to. But it yeah. was
1: late in game one when Ryan Reeves did that, and then he was suspended for it. Um, mm-hmm. I can't believe I just mixed up the Cadre series. But whatever. Uh, That's the point. The point is... um. Man, the Kadri thing is a big story as well because I think Tyson Jost was your second line center. Like, yeah, that was J- a huge story. Huge JT, story. Comfort, Jt Comfort, Jt Confort wasn't having a strong season, uh, so he wasn't playing higher in the lineup. Alex Newhook was still young, so it was Tyson Jost as your second line center. And you know, even with the good year he had last year, he still wasn't an offensive, you know, juggernaut by any means. So, not that Kadri had a good year last year anyway, but yeah that that Ryan Reeves thing was it was a game changer because you saw the Avalanche kind of. They had this thing happen to them, and they had no response for it. Nobody tried to fight him. Nobody tried to answer the bell. Curtis McDermott wasn't around. And and to me, that Curtis McDermott signing or acquisition was a clear case of, you guys have a Ryan Reeves problem, and I'm going to solve it for you. So, yeah, that's... That was a game changer. That's a big storyline because that was when Vegas probably went into the locker room saying they're scared of us. We've got them right where we want them. They got no answer for us. And this is on Ryan Graves, who's one of the bigger Avalanche players, and there was still no response for what Reeves did. Not that I'm promoting what Reeves did. It was a bullshit play. But it got to the Avs, definitely.
0: Absolutely. So that's for top stories. I guess let's transition into just top memories. I think, you know, just... Personal, right? Not. I think the top stories we can all agree were the biggest stories around Avalanche Land, but for you, what were the top memories of 2021?
1: Um, let's go positive here. The first game that fans were allowed back was a big one for me because that was a game where, and it was the nurses and uh, whatever, however the hell they titled it, the nurses and healthcare workers game uh, where the Avalanche came out it was late March. They scored, I think it was four goals in two minutes, five goals in two and a half minutes, three of them for Yanis Donskoy, who scored a freaking hat trick in the first seven minutes of the game. That may have also been the game when uh, uh, Nathan McKinnon threw his helmet at Connor Gartland and fans were back to see it. Even if it was only a few thousand, it was a lot of fun. Welcome back to the fans. The way that the The announcer, Alan Roach, kind of welcomed in the healthcare workers. It was just a very emotional night. It was kind of like the first step toward healing from this pandemic, even though right now we're going through it again. It was a big thing, and it was March 31st, 2021. It was a year and 20 days after the NHL shut down and took fans out of arenas. That was by far one of my favorite memories. We were back in the press box for the first time rather than sitting at, you know, the mezzanine level at the 100 level in an empty arena, which was just very grim and different. Um. It was an emotional night. It was a great night. The Avalanche played their ass-offs and scored nine goals. That's, you know, poor Darcy Kemper and the Arizona Coyotes, but that's that's one of my favorite memories of 2021.
0: Yeah, crazy to think about how pivotal Donskoy was last year and even the year before that. And, you know, he, he brought a lot of goals to the team. He played power play, too. He he made he an impact. He played
1: PP1 for most of the season, too.
0: Well, there you go. And to see what he's doing this year, he still hasn't had a single goal for the Seattle Kraken. It breaks your heart, but... um. Yeah, obviously he was better fit in this system. But shoot, I feel like I could score a couple goals in that power play.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's only got 14 assists in 32 games this year, I believe. And he's been a little snake bit, but it was it was just fun to see what he was doing last year. 17 goals, which, by the way, was a career high for him in just 51 games. Like he, he hit his career high in goals in a shortened season where he missed five of those shortened games. Five power play goals, career high. Uh, and he was shooting almost 20%. It was it was a fun time with the Onis Don Square last year, and that game was kind of the epitome of it.
0: One of my top memories, I think, is going to be the emergence of Bowen Byram, right? Uh, if you look back to the start of last season, so j- January 2021, he just barely squeaked in the lineup. Thank goodness for the taxi squads, right? I think it was him and Timmins that were both the taxi squad defensemen. So you, we didn't have too high of expectations for him. But then he started getting some minutes. He started getting some playing time, and everybody says, "Holy cow, this guy's got it!" And ends up playing 19 games for the Colorado Avalanche last year. Still trying to get into rhythm this year, but he, he's made a huge impact this year as well, scoring some pretty sweet goals. will I'll always remember that goal. You know, He just came back from his concussion. He steps on the ice, and he's aggressive. He's leading rushes. He's making offensive chances happen, and then he ends up with a goal that night. Um, so I, I love seeing Bo and Byram, and he's quickly turned into one of my favorite Avalanche players to watch. What kind of
1: did it for Bo Byram? Last year was uh, the—which, unfortunately, they've just been canceled this year. But the World Juniors, he captained Team Canada's World Junior team. It was him and Kirby Doc were going to be the co-captains, and then mm -hmm. Doc gets injured. So Bo was the captain. Newhook was on that team, too. Canada made it all the way to the finals, obviously lost to the U.S., and then he still came out like a, like a true leader and kind of, he was the guy that was handing the medals off to his teammates and it was emotional. You can see him crying. It was a tough moment for him, but that was his coming out party. And I remember asking Jared Bednar, the very first press conference of the season, right before training camp started about Bo and Byram. And he said, Bo's going to play games this year. Everybody was like, Whoa, like he's actually going to play. Like that wasn't something that we expected. It even took, you know, Kel McCarr a couple of years before he came into the NHL and Bo came in and. Even though he only had four assists in those 19 games, you could see something there. And one of the things that, you know, it was, it was noticed nationwide, league-wide. It wasn't just an Avalanche fan thing because one of my favorite memories of that is sometime, I believe, in March or February, Chris Johnston, who was then at Sportsnet, friend of the show, uh, he released his projected Team Canada Olympic roster, and he had Bo Byram as the seventh defenseman. And that was in a season where Sam Girard was having the year he was having. Obviously, we've seen what Devon Taves did this year. But Bo Byram was somebody that he's like, yeah, by this time next year, he's going to be so unbelievably good. Team Canada has no choice but to name him to their Olympic roster. So you knew he had it in him. And then he came in this year. We saw how strong he was early in the year when McCarr was struggling and guys were injured and Taves was out. He was on fire. And then he missed a bunch of games, came back, scored against Nashville, and then he played that Toronto game, was a minus three. Obviously, that was the game Johansson started, and Jet Alexander was the backup. And then he hasn't played since. Four goals, five assists, nine points in 13 games. He's been having a hell of a season. And Eric Johnson said it yesterday. If it wasn't for his injury, he'd probably win the rookie of the year, and he still can do it. And that's given the fact that there's a couple guys in Detroit having great years, and Trevor Zegras who's creeping up too. So, yeah, man, Bowen Byram's emergence went from this is a good first round pick to holy shit, man, this guy could maybe even be as good as kill McCarr someday.
0: Yep. And, yep. and
1: that's the biggest part of bone Byram.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't have said I it like better myself.
1: One. I like that one. Um, but I'm going to take it back to uh, Lake Tahoe and not to the game, but earlier in the season when, and I'm not just doing this because I asked the question, I'm doing this because the quote yes, was, you are. I'm, I'm flexing the muscles. <laughs> it's Hey, uh, pierre Edward Belmar, not that I would ever say that to him, like actually give him his full name. Hey, pierre Edward Belmar, nice to meet you. I just wanted to know what it's going to be like to skate in that Lake Tahoe game. And uh, he goes, it's going to be so great skating on the lake. I've never skated on the lake before. And Burakovsky looks at him and remember how we were joking last week about how his favorite word is, bro? He goes, bro, we're skating on the 18th green, bro. We're not. We're not skating on the lake. And Belmar's no, you just crushed my dreams. Just an absolute. That was one of my favorite parts of the year. That quote, how fun P.E. Belmar was on those Zoom calls. He was such a breath of fresh air. And even in the locker room pre-COVID when we used to go in there, that dude was so fun. Such a great guy. It's a bummer that they lost him this year. I know Darren Helm is kind of replacing him in terms of roster spot, but that guy was a lot of fun. You should have put his locker right by Nathan McKinnon to make sure McKinnon's not pissy all the time because <laughs> Belmar was just such a happy, fun guy, but he was on the other side of the room, obviously.
0: Oh, uh, That's a good one. I mean, yeah, I think that's everybody's most memorable Pierre Bell- Bellomare moment, right, with the avalanche. So thanks to Erev Dean for putting him on a tee with that one. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, it, it kind of bothers me
1: that, like, all these – Accounts like Spit and Chicklets and NHL and TSN when they when they share the quote they don't even let the media guy ask his question they just start with Belmar like it's such a shaft to that guy at Mile High Sports I'm just kidding
0: please go ahead Oh what could have been right Eric what could have been Um, My next memory is not so much the acquisition but more so Avalanche lands reaction to. signing or I guess trading for Devin Dubnik last year right they needed an emergency goalie he was just floating around San Jose San Jose was terrible he didn't seem to fit in he didn't really play well there and then comes to Colorado gets COVID didn't really play well here either
1: WTF the amount of tweets that I saw (laughs) with those three letters when it was announced breaking the avalanche have acquired Devin Dubnik everybody's like what are you serious like that was such a troll move from Joe Sakic. That was, you know, we've seen the Avalanche do something like this in the past. They brought in Brad May, but that was such an angry, like, what the hell are we doing here, given the history with with Steve Moore three years earlier? But this one was a different kind of troll. It was like a, ha-ha, look who I brought in. It's the guy that we all love to hate, but not for any other reason other than the fact that Devin Dunick was kind of a crybaby for a little while there, but... that one was fun because there was a lot of talk of the avalanche acquiring a goalie and that was like last on the list of many people's list but man joe sakic with the troll ultimate troll there devin dubnik colorado avalanche goalie who would have thunk it
0: and then devin answers right back with a a troll move and gets covid when they needed him the most we brought you in for one thing and you got covid and couldn't do that one thing thanks a lot
1: and now Devin Dubnik might start for Team Canada at the Olympics because goalies aren't going, so that'll be cool. Thank you for nothing. Basically. It has so to be
0: sh- one of the one of the meanest things you can say to somebody. Right. Hey. Hey, thank you for nothing.
1: He was such a good sport about it, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: right. moving on. Uh let's do a couple more and then and then wrap this baby up. All right. I'm gonna go
1: with uh let's bring it back to this season. I'm gonna go with that opening night goal from Jack Johnson. What yeah. a fun goal that Every, was.
0: Everything we've talked about so far has been from last season, so I'm happy. Yeah, let's let's bring it into this season a little bit. Jack
1: Johnson, opening night goal, because this was a guy that came in on a PTO and everybody laughed about it. This is one of the worst players in the NHL and blah, blah, blah. Comes in, has a pretty good training camp, makes the team, has that banger of a quote where uh, he goes, but when he signed that league men contract with the Avalanche, it was something along the lines of... Uh, his his wife like reached into her purse and only had like two $1 bills in there and uh she goes hey do you have any money and like his kid kind of his his like young daughter kind of made a joke of like i'm glad you signed a contract dad because mom has no money or something like that and his daughter's like <laughs> 6 so it was like a cool story when he was sharing that but uh ultimate 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 team player there man we have a guy who his lip and his face are busted up because he got cracked open and bled all over the ice and still wanted to skate um his his blood was like splattered onto Darcy Kemper's pads and on the ice it was a whole thing ultimate team player started off with a hell of a goal not just an opening night goal season opening goal on the breakaway jack freaking johnson that was a fun moment
0: jack freaking johnson a guy who hates people apparently right and it's been 24 <laughs> games since we've seen a goal from him so that was it that, that might be his only goal in an avalanche sweater but it was a hell of a goal It
1: absolutely was. And the quote of the century when he was asked about how he spent his COVID pause, he says, quote, I avoid people in my normal life. So it was nothing out of the ordinary for me. Gotta love Jack Johnson, man. My favorite part about that goal, by the way, is I don't know why. All I ever thought was, and I know there were some preseason games, but they weren't sold out. All I ever thought during the pandemic was who's going to score the first goal at, you know, Pepsi center slash ball arena, with a full 18,000 in the stands again. And it was Jack Johnson's breakaway goal. Like That was the last goal from March 11, 2020 until opening night. The Avalanche didn't have a full arena. That was the first time that a full crowd cheered a goal, and it was Jack Johnson on the breakaway on a league minimum contract coming off a PTO for no other reason other than the Avalanche just needed another guy.
0: On that note, and this will be my last memory uh, for the podcast, how you're talking about Jack Johnson scoring a goal in front of a full building? I think my best memory from this year is gonna be the game that I covered because I only got to cover one game in an empty building because they were only allowing one of us, you or I, in the building. And I gave it to you as you're a pursuing um, journalist in this field. I just kind of do this as a a second job, a second hobby, just something I do for fun. So let um, you have those games. So I got to cover one because you were out of town and it was a, such a the day after Thanksgiving game. Yeah play in the Minnesota wild. The avalanche played so terribly and there was just no energy in the building. I remember it feeling like a men's league game. I remember it feeling like a private show just for me and the media. And that was just a wild feeling to watch a Minnesota wild feeling
1: how cold were your fingers with my typing my fingers you, were you couldn't
0: type they, I, my fingers were so frozen that i quit tweeting about the game about after yep. maybe f- the first period if not the second cuz i i just couldn't type anymore midway through the second i stopped tweeting too yep. for the other
1: 20 whatever games that i did it was it was uh it was a different experience so what the avalanche had 28 home games in the regular season obviously some of them had fans by the end of the year 28 home games you did one i didn't do 27 i did 26 because there was a game where none of us went. This is my last memory. And I just, you know, I, I always remember this game. It was the snowstorm game that all of us missed. It was in March. Colorado got ravaged with a snowstorm. And the NHL said, you know what? If we can get the players there, we're still going to play. It was against the LA Kings. And it was one of the more fascinating games. So obviously, I live with Mike Chambers. And he said, I'm not going, by the way. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be a hero. I drive a pickup truck. I'll be fine. And I exited our apartment building. I got onto the main road. I did a U-turn and I went back home. It was not possible to get to Ballerina that night to the point where it was actually fascinating. If you watched like going into commercial breaks, the Avalanche ice crew couldn't even make it out to the game. The girls and the guys that, you know, shoveled the snow between periods. So they had staff members. Eric Parnas, who works for the Avalanche's analytics department, always sits up in the press box behind us he was one of the guys shoveling the snow during commercial breaks. They had like whoever they could find. And then we went on to later find out no media attended that game. It was a fully empty arena because Colorado was covered in snow and the NHL says, screw it. We don't got fans anyway. Let's play. Let's get the players there safely. And that's all that matters.
0: It's crazy that the players got there too, right? I mean, they were in the same snow. I'm surprised. Thank goodness they have to be there three, four hours or before a game. Cause you know, some of them rolled in late too, but you know, because and it was an early game. Window. I
1: remember. I remember it was like a three or four p.m. game. You know, some of these players probably woke up at nine. and They're like, we're going to leave at like ten thirty in the morning for a five or four p.m. game. Like mm-hmm. they probably got there two hours later. Right.
0: Right. So I mean, yeah. a lot
1: of them live around there, but still, it was. It was. It was an interesting
0: night. What a year it was! Definitely not what you would call an orthodox year, but um, you know, we rolled with the punches. We got through it, and here's to a more, uh, I guess, normalized. 2022 right here's to a 2022
1: where when we're doing this episode in 12 months from now we're going to be talking about stanley cup parades and how cool this was and how cool that was after the avalanche win the cup and how cool was it to see a happy nathan mckinnon you know kind of like when jonathan taves was finally showing his personality after winning a cup how cool was it to hear i don't know who's going to be our version of the nikita kucherov quote from last year the number one bullshit quote Val like, who's gonna be he's going to talk to media all. Oh, my God. Could you imagine a drunk Val (laughs) actually talking to media? Oh, the memories that we could make over the next 12 months if the avalanche hoist the Stanley Cup would be something.
0: Hopefully in that podcast that we're doing 12 months from now, the word COVID doesn't appear one freaking time. But doubtful. Yep. Doubtful. It would be something. Cool, cool. Here's an awesome place to start. So as we were saying, Happy New Year to all you listeners. Thanks for joining us for a whole nother calendar year. We appreciate every single one of you guys. We love interacting with you, whether it's Reddit, Twitter, Instagram, what have you. Arif, I'm going to say it here on the podcast so that way it forces us to do it. We're going to start an Instagram page for the Hockey Mountain High where we're going to try to step up our coverage a little bit through Instagram. Instagram is such oh. an important medium these days, and I don't think anybody's really attacking that appropriately for the fans' sake. So we're going to come put our superhero capes on and be those, I guess, insiders for you guys. So look out for that, and if you see the Instagram page, definitely give it a follow and uh, share it with your friends. But other than that, any clothing, closing thoughts for today's podcast, Erif.
1: I got two. Number one, this is another thing that I'm going to say live on the podcast because this is something that you and I should be focusing more on. And uh, it's if you haven't already, because this is not something that we've ever pushed, if you can jump on iTunes and give us a rating, talk about how silly or great we are, how awesome JJ is, how boring the other guy is that always interrupts him, whatever you want to say, give us those five-star ratings. Let's grow this baby. We have... (laughs) Legitimately, like, not no word of a lie. The first two months of the regular season of last year, which was like February, March, or January, February, the first two months of this regular season, we've doubled our listeners like, no word of a lie. Uh, we have grown massively. It's all thanks to you guys. So, if you can take a minute out of your time to jump on iTunes, give us a five star rating, share why you think we are great, um, or why you enjoy our show, or why we're hilarious or silly, or whatever you want to say, goofy, um, we would definitely appreciate that this goes along with the Instagram page. We'll be sending out some tweets with that page once it's up and running here early in 2022. So go ahead and follow that. And then the second thing is I'm just going to close out the show that I way that I started it is, is let's be more positive. Let's be more, uh, forgiving of our community and, and hug one another as long as you're not positive for fricking COVID and, uh, Enjoy each other a little bit more. 2022, one of my New Year's resolutions is to meet a lot of our fans, meet a lot of our listeners, meet a, lot, meet a lot of our readers. So if you're at games and you want to tweet me, it takes me 30 seconds during an intermission to meet you at whatever level you're at. If you're at a practice and you want to tweet me, it takes me five seconds to find you in the crowd and just say hello and shake your hand for you know being a reader, a listener, and a follower. So shout out to everybody, every single one of you. Enjoy your New Year. I hope to God that those listeners that we have, not many of you are affected by what we've seen the last 24 hours. Um, but with that, again, 2021 has been rough. 2020 was rough. Hopefully, for all of our sakes, 2022 is a lot better.
0: Absolutely. And I, I love the way we normally end our podcast, but I'm going to do it a little differently today because I think there are just more pressing matters. So, of course, take care of your community. Uh, you know, my heart's still breaking for all those people in Superior and Louisville um, so, you know, you just cherish every moment, cherish every goodbye, cherish each and every day you have because you never know what each day is going to look like, especially in this crazy landscape that we live in. So, take care of each other, love each other, and just be a good person, I guess. Thanks for hanging out with us today.